This is the To The Point Podcast. Together with our ERISA attorney, we'll explore key Affordable Care Act and trending compliance topics all in 15 minutes or less. Now here's our host, Sarah Gillespie. Welcome to our To The Point Podcast. This is Sarah Gillespie. I am the Compliance Director at Lipscomb and Pitts Insurance in Memphis, Tennessee. And I have with me my co-host, Stacey Barrow from Marathas Barrow Weatherhead and Lent. Hey, Stacey. Hey, Sarah. So I wanted to talk about association health plans. We've had a lot of our smaller employers since final regulations were issued, ask some questions about that. So I thought it'd be good to record a podcast on it. But before we jump into, um, you know, some of the questions I'm going to ask you, Stacey, I'm going to give a little bit of background as to how we got here. But if I say something that's not correct, jump in and correct me. So um, last fall, October 2017, when efforts in Congress failed to repeal the ACA through the budget reconciliation process, President Trump issued an executive order on three things that were aimed at unraveling various pieces of the ACA. And the order directed the Departments of Labor, Health and Human Services, and the Treasury to consider expanding the availability of short-term limited duration insurance and health reimbursement arrangements. And it also sought to relax regulations on association health plans as a way to allow individuals and small businesses to purchase health insurance policies across state lines and avoid certain ACA requirements. If you want to know more about those, Stacey and I actually recorded a podcast on that topic last fall, so you can look for that one. Um, But we saw proposed guidance on short-term limited duration plans earlier this year, and recently we received final guidance on association health plans, also called AHPs, which is what we want to discuss today. So in many ways, this is welcome news to small employers and self-employed individuals, and so Stacey's going to help us better understand all of these pieces. So first, Stacey, who can form an association and are there rules regarding the purpose of the association's existence related to obtaining health coverage? Um, yeah, so, and, and let me maybe just level set for, for a second here. So these new rules, they are, they are regulations issued under ERISA and they apply to association health plans. Um, and what these rules are intended to do in large part is level the playing field between small employers and large employers. Um, when large employers, generally over 50 employees, when they go to establish a group health plan, they don't have to comply with all of the essential health benefit requirements like a small group plan does. They also are not held to the community rating rules. Um, which makes it easier to experience rate um, and you have more flexibility with rating and plan design. So that's what these rules are really geared for. And so they allow groups of employers to form associations um, basically along kind of two pathways. You can form it along a same geographic area like the New York Tri-State area or the greater Houston area or the Kansas City metro metropolitan area. I'm just giving examples um, to show you that even, you know, being in the same geographic area might encompass more than one state. And then, and that can be an association of employers really in any industry, and they're just kind of 
grouped together along the common geographic area. Um, another way to uh, aggregate would be along the same trade industry line of business or profession. And if you're in the same trade or industry, you could group together regardless of your geographic region. So those are two ways to, to form these association plans. Um, and then one other point that, that Sarah alluded to is that, well, what are the requirements regarding association formation? Um, many of you that have looked at association plans in the past or who are familiar with these rules know that, generally speaking, in order for ERISA to apply up at the association level, in other words, to be a bona fide association, the association had to have been formed for purposes other than obtaining health insurance coverage. Under these new rules for association health plans, that is no longer a requirement. You can band together for the primary purpose of offering health insurance coverage. You do need to have at least one, what they call substantial business purpose, uh, meaning as long as the association is viable outside of just simply offering an employee benefits plan, then you'll generally be considered to have a substantial business purpose. And it doesn't have to be for profit, right? Because you could have nonprofit associations and their business purposes, you know, they might not be trying to make a profit, but they may still have a business purpose. They might offer conferences or classes to their members. They might publish newsletters, um, advertising, education, those kinds of activities. And, and that would all kind of qualify as a substantial business purpose. Okay, so I, I understand that association health plans are still considered MIWAs, multiple employer welfare arrangements, correct? So what impact, right. what impact will that have on these AHPs? So, so that's a, a great point is that all association health plans under these new rules Army was multiple employer welfare arrangements, and they are subject to fairly strict state regulation. Um, as you know, you could have a health plan that is fully insured or self-insured. Um, that also extends to MIWAs. When you have a MIWA, though, that is self-insured, most states tend to regulate that MIWA as a commercial insurance company, um, you know, basically requiring them to you know, meet reserve requirements and, and you know, observe state-mandated benefits rules and then follow all those requirements and so it you know the, the DOL kind of anticipates that many self-insured NIWAs if they are able to form under these new rules will be subject to state mandated benefits um, you know similarly fully insured MIWAs can also be regulated under state law. Most states don't really strictly regulate fully insured MIWAs. They, they usually just, you know, set things like, you know, reserve levels, um, you know, licensing, registration, and, and that's usually handled at the, the carrier level. Um, but the states can regulate the underlying insurance products. So, so what this means um, in English is that 
the future of the association health plan regulations, at least for the time being, is in the hands of the states. Uh, and as an example, many states out there, and Massachusetts is one of them, it happens to be where I practice, uh, we already have insurance laws on the books that basically say if you're a small employer, um, any coverage you purchase through an association would also have to be rated as small group. You know, so something to that effect, rules that would, would generally have that effect. So, um, I think in many states, if they want to kind of further these these regulations and, and allow small employers to band together to purchase insurance, it very well might require a change to state insurance law. Um, and, and one other, two other little nuances here about how the states can impact this. I mean, states have you know real enforcement authority over MIWAs, and in fact, Massachusetts and New York have announced their intention to file a lawsuit to challenge the, the, the legality of these new regulations. Um, the attorneys general in those two states feel that these association health plan regulations are violative of the ACA on its face. And the those two states, Mass and New York, uh, they actually issued a comment letter opposing the rules that we're talking about here. And at that time, they managed to get 15 other states to sign on to that letter. It's not clear right now whether those other states will join any lawsuit challenging the new rules, but they, they certainly could. And then one other little wrinkle here is it again to show you the, the level that the states have in terms of control here is that New Jersey um, recently passed their own version of the individual mandate. It's going to be effective in 2019. And they kind of set a, a, a shot across the bow over the association regulations. And they said that, you know, for purposes of the New Jersey individual mandate, coverage under an association health plan is not going to qualify as minimum essential coverage unless it complies with state standards. Um, so again, just a couple of uh, illustrations there to show you um, how much control the states have. And then to bring it all together, what the federal government has said through the Department of Labor, they said, look, if states um, are too uh, you know, strict with these rules and, and they pass rules that are too rigorous and they frustrate the intent of these regulations, the Department of Labor may uh, revoke the right of the states to regulate MIWAs. Um, and, and that would be you know, obviously a, a huge issue for the states. Many of them have very strong concerns um, that these rules could negatively affect their state insurance markets. And so that would be um, you know, certainly an issue of, of, of interest to everybody. I forgot about that. I had uh, read that last week that the DOL could come in and decide, you know, they were going to make the rules that were going to apply for all if that happened. There's, there was one other state point that I was going to add was that um, I had read that states are going to retain authority to apply minimum benefit standards similar to those of the ACA essential health benefits. So, you know, whether some of the flexibility that was gained under this new rule would be curbed, you know, that would remain to be seen as well. So I think, um, you know, between what you said and, and between that point, what I have shared with 
small employers who have said, you know, what what can we learn about this? How soon can we um, get into something like this? Or to entities that are interested in forming something that we really have to wait and see what the states are going to do with it before anybody can move forward, right? Yeah, I, I think that's right. And I, I'll add, you know, just for my own personal two cents, I guess I was on the carrier side for 10 years and we wouldn't touch me was with a 10 foot pole due to their general history of fraud and insolvency. And so I'm eager to see what carriers or TPA's appetite to jump into writing these associations is going to be. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And, you know, if the if the carrier doesn't have optics into the association, um, you know, they might not be that willing to take on the risk. Right. I'm sure some will. But, yeah, there'll, there'll be plenty that might look at this and say, no, this is you know, we just don't have enough of an insight into this group to, to want to raise them or to want to offer the policy. Or they'll wait for another carrier TPA to go first. <laughs> you go first. We'll see how it works out for you. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, so, you know, say everything goes well, they, you know, start to be formed. We've got carriers who are going to write them. Well, then there are some non-discrimination requirements. So can you talk a little bit about what that is going to look like? Yeah. So that's another um, interesting point. And and there's a big distinction between um, existing what we call bona fide associations and associations formed under this new rule. And both types of associations can exist. These new rules don't wipe out the old bona fide association rules. They simply present another avenue for employers to be rated as large group. So in terms of the non-discrimination requirements, um, the AHPs will be subject to the standard ERISA HIPAA health factor non-discrimination rules. Like you can't discriminate based on health factor. Now you can certainly have different benefits, different um, plans and contributions based on employment-based classifications. Like say you have an association that's in the retail industry and you have uh, certain contributions for your cashiers, your stockers have a separate contribution, your sales associates, they might have a different contribution. Um, You might have different contributions for full-time and part-time. That's fine. What these rules do is that they prohibit um, experience rating on an employer-by-employer basis. So taking my example of the retail association, let's just say we have four employers in it, companies A, B, C, and D. Um, The cashiers that work for companies A, B, C, and D, they all get treated the same. The stalkers that work, whether they work for company A, B, C, or D, they all get treated the same. So if the employees, say in company D, if they have really bad claims experience one year, there's not gonna be a load on company D, it's gonna get um, passed through to the remainder of the association. You won't be able to rate on an employer by employer basis. Under the current rules, the rules for bona fide associations, you can do that. You can rate on an employer by employer basis. I think that's a big distinction there. 
And so if, if I'm an employer thinking of an association and I have really good claims experience, or at least I think I do, then maybe I wouldn't be you know, all that likely to join. On the other hand, if I know I have horrible claims experience, I have hemophiliacs and then this and that on my plan, then uh, maybe I can uh, join an association and, and spread some of that that, that pain around from, from my renewal last year. Right, right, definitely. Okay, so those were the things I think I wanted to make most clear to any of our employer audiences that we're looking for state information before we can proceed. And then if you do want to proceed, understand the non-discrimination rules. So say we have employer groups who still are interested, they want to go down this path. When can these AHPs begin functioning? Um, so the the earliest that they the they can establish an association health plan under these new rules is this September in September of 2018. Um, all associations can establish a fully insured association health plan. As of one one of 19, existing associations that already have an association plan they can self-insure it. And then as of April of 2019, all associations, whether they're new or existing, can self-insure an association plan. But again, all of this is subject to state insurance law. And again, states can kind of regulate these things into the ground, um, at least under the current uh, law. Okay, yeah. So I think this is all really interesting. It will definitely be interesting to see how it plays out, how it comes together, um, you know, if states are open to it or, you know, if the DOL eventually comes in and, and makes some new rules or what the case may be. But um, anyhow, it's just a sign that the things that Trump had put in his executive order are starting to come to fruition as some of the ways to unravel the ACA. Is that a fair comment, Stacey? Uh, yes, it is. So are, do you have any closing comments for employers as they really just sit and wait? Um, I think if you are interested in, in forming an association, you might, I think the, you know, certainly work with Lipscomb and Pitts, but the, the first step, I think, is really to find a, um, a carrier partner that is willing to right the association um, and, and they have to be comfortable with it under state law the carriers usually you know are aware of these rules and they might say right off the bat uh, look under the current climate in the state we're actually not able to treat small members of an association as large group um, I, I don't know for sure um, you know, if, uh, if, you know, where Lipscomb Pitts is, what the rules is in, in your state. Um, but we can certainly, you know, help clients look into that, help you guys look into that. Well, this has really been helpful information. And I think that small employers, self-employed individuals, anybody who even just wants to know what's going on will find this hopefully very helpful. So hopefully you have too. And uh, we thank that you thank you for joining us. And we hope you will join one of our other podcasts. <laughs>